Are the Oklahoma Sooners problems actually problems? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRep. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on the KREF Sports app. Josh, we've got a lot of lingering thoughts still from Oklahoma's win over the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, 66 to 17. But let's start with this one because it's the biggest talking point about a defense that had another strong performance. Is the is the coverage an issue? Because in that second quarter and really lingering into the third, they had a lot of coverage breakdowns and Tulsa was able to take advantage of a couple opportunities. So the I'm going to say something a little bit off the beaten path here, maybe. The coverage breakdowns obviously are the problem that you highlight and and we'll dive into that deeply here but i would say each of the touchdown drives that oklahoma gave up john it started with failures in the run defense department and really for the most part oklahoma's been very very good there but uh you know going back and re-watching the tulsa contest there's a, a time or two and this is you know look i'm not going to get too alarmed over it because you're going to give some things up defensively whether it's the run game the throw game but uh there were a couple of times like on the first or second drive for Tulsa where I think Danny Stutzman looked like he overran something and uh, it turned into a 16 17 yard game for Tulsa and then the uh, couple of drives that Tulsa stung Oklahoma for touchdowns to me it sort of started with uh, the line of scrimmage Oklahoma not being as good as they were throughout throughout the rest of the game but uh Beyond that, the the coverage itself, the if you could tell me that Gentry Williams is going to be healthy and around, you know, long term for Oklahoma, then I'm less concerned, right? Because the one coverage bust, I think it was Vickers, that got caught sort of peeking into the backfield and then uh, they went over the top of him. The other one would be more alarming, the the coverage bust on Pearson, because hypothetically, that's one of the guys you're counting on to be a, a starting player for you john going forward so are they big time problems going forward i would err on the side of no but they have my attention i see them as okay you're gonna get beat from time to time the the vickers one i i just chalked that one up to being a true freshman getting a little undisciplined with his eyes and just over committing to and and biting on the eye candy that's what they call it right eye candy the stuff that's going to draw your attention, get you thinking about something when you should be thinking about the guy running by you. And again, I don't know if there was some expectation that he was going to have safety help over the top. It probably wouldn't have mattered because that safety help wasn't going to be able to get there in time anyway. But I just chalked that one up to a true freshman making a mistake in extended playing time. The Richie Pearson thing, I chalked that up to, hey, you went with an aggressive play call on defense and you got beat. 
that happens sometimes. You had, you know, arguably maybe not your best coverage safety out there in one in a one-on-one situation, and he got beat. You got to give credit to Tulsa for that. They've got Division One athletes on their roster as well. They might not be as highly rated as some of the players that you have on yours if you're the Oklahoma Sooners, but still, a good player, you're going to find them on Tulsa's roster, even if it's not as talented as Oklahoma's, and even if they're not the as talented, you're still going to find opportunities where they're going to be able to take advantage of one-on-one matchups. That's just football. You want to put players in one-on-one situations and let your playmakers make plays. The guy ran a beautiful route that absolutely fooled Reggie Pearson. That's just the way it goes sometimes. But I don't think that that's something to be overly concerned about unless it becomes a trend, right? If you start seeing Emory Jones be able to take advantage of Reggie Pearson in the secondary or any name of safety, whether it's Key Lawrence or Billy Bowman or Peyton Bowen, if they start getting beaten a lot often in these one-on-one situations, then you might start having concerns. But if it's a one game, kind of one play, did it go for a touchdown? You don't want to give up touchdowns 100%. You don't like it. You go back, you try to correct it in the film room, on the practice field. You do what you can to rectify the situation, but it happens. You give up plays, but you've still only given up 28 points in three games, which is a really, really solid start to the season for the Oklahoma Sooners defense. And we're talking about this in a game where Oklahoma came away with five interceptions. And I think it was actually Vickers that almost came up with a sixth interception early. And Bowen I, almost had one too. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a couple of other instances where Bowen almost people, had two actually. So there you go. I mean, let's just, let's just make the counter eight uh, that it could have been for Oklahoma. I mean, obviously it was five and uh, a couple of other opportunities out there to where OU was there to, to go make plays. So look, uh, I'm just, just looking at what we saw and saying that in true coach speak fashion, no, it was not a perfect performance for Oklahoma. It's uh, largely very, very good, but uh, I'd like to see Oklahoma versus Cincinnati, Iowa state. Unfortunately, I just don't know that either of those give us a ton of answers until obviously the, the red river showdown. So I, I'm pretty convinced that this is definitely an improved defense, John. And I think even the coverage component, Oklahoma's, pretty advanced in that regard in terms of their more times than not in position to go make plays. And we're basically nitpicking over a couple of coverage busts. Again, I, I, I kind of came away from those drives looking at it and saying that the, the run defense, I, I want that to be a thing to stay for Oklahoma. I guess uh, there's been, you know, a couple of leaks there in those couple of drives versus Tulsa. And so for me, it's okay. How does that translate now going forward as things rev up? I still think Oklahoma's improved there. I think they're improved across the board. And unfortunately, it's just the process of this schedule, John, to where it's okay. I'm going to sit here and exist a little bit in the universe of I got to see more against teams that we just think a little bit more highly of. Absolutely. And I think that's a fair place to be. You come out of the non-conference feeling really, really good about what you've seen, but there's still room for improvement. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think you're still a work in progress. The fact that you're a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense, that's a really nice place to be. You still have a lot to prove. I think the coaching staff believes that. I think the players believe that. You heard it echoed in the post-game press conferences that this team is yet from a finished product and they've got a long way to go to be where they want to be. I don't think that that's just coach speak. I think they truly believe that. And honestly, to have those two drives 
and the third one in the third quarter where they just gave up a field goal, that's good for the team, honestly, mentally. Okay, we kind of maybe we checked out a little bit and we took our foot off the gas a little in the second quarter and allowed them to to take advantage of some of that. Okay, that's on us. We got to stay locked in. We've got to hone in on the details every single drive. And again, you, you hate to see mental lapses or uh, your guys get beat like that. But if you're a coaching staff, you almost welcome it in these situations because then you can go into the film room, you can go into the meeting room and really highlight those areas, point at them, and then help everybody grow from that. That's a that's not a bad thing to have. Obviously, you'd love the shutout and you're aiming for best is the best is the best. But silver lining, you've got something to work on as you get ready for Cincinnati this week. We're going to talk about the running game coming up after the break and then where Oklahoma and Texas landed in the polls and why that's such a big deal to the Big 12 after I talk to you all about our friends over at BetterHelp. Hey, if you're like me, you often can find yourself with a little bit of insomnia because you're just weighing all of life's decisions and the things that are going on during the day. I, for one, I'm a bit of a people pleaser. And so if I've offended somebody, especially someone close to me, it can keep me up at night. Well, that's why you need to check out BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a, a, an opportunity for you to talk to somebody on your schedule, all online in a way that meets your needs. And it gives you an the opportunity to talk through all of life's choices or even just through the, the ways that you go through your relationships and go about your relationships. You can go to betterhelp.com. It's a great place to, again, find someone to talk to that is going to help you just work through the stuff that life throws at us. Therapy gives you a place to do that so you can get out of your negative thought cycles, whether it's just decision-making or again, just struggling with relationships However, however you find yourself just needing to find someone to talk to, that's BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So just fill out, fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on college today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp H E L P dot com slash locked on college to get 10% off your first month. Again, better help. Get a break from your thoughts with better help. March madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Josh, the running game for the Oklahoma Sooners is something that's become a, a significant talking point through the non-conference schedule. The offense has looked fantastic. When they've opened things up, when they've allowed the passing game to dictate the flow of the offense, I mean, it's been near unstoppable. But when the running game has kind of been the focal point, it's been kind of hit or miss. And obviously, because of the injuries to Barnes and to Sawchuck, it's been a bit of a revolving door. 
as we've we've orchestrated our way through these first three games and you know throughout camp before that so that's been a little bit of a wrench i think into uh the running game operation to start the season for oklahoma but you know you almost say that and you say okay well is that an excuse probably not because you would though it's games one two and three you expect that with running backs right it's just the wear and tear of that position but uh you know i, I again maybe this is uh not something that others would say out there i think operationally oklahoma can do a better job with how they're going about managing the run game i'd like to see a little bit more north and south i think there's a little bit too much misdirection to me in the run game i go back and you know watch the tape versus tulsa and uh, i know that that's a component of the levy offense you're, you're gonna have a lot of motioners and you know obviously every action leads to uh you know a different piece of the pass game or the run game but every once in a while just run a halfback dive and let Javante Barnes in this offensive line, just let those guys go win from the point of attack. And it doesn't have to always be super complex. Same thing with Sawchuck or Smothers or whoever that week, if it's Tawi Walker major to me, I think that uh, there's a little bit, it's, it's not that it's too complex for the players out there executing it, John, I just think there's too much going on. I think you can just simplify it and just go run the football at times. Yeah, just ask your guy to beat the guy in front of you on the offensive line and create a hole and go. I, I think, you know, you look back to like DeMarco Murray, you know, the, the time when he thrived with Oklahoma's offense and even with the Dallas Cowboys, it was just a lot of zone blocking scheme where you're just getting downhill or you're going, you know, off tackle, you're going wide. And then you're just finding the hole in the offensive line. You're not necessarily looking for, you know, the, the guards pulling around. You're just getting downhill, getting downhill fast, and then finding the hole and go. I do think there's a little bit of that, but I do think some of it is the herky-jerky nature with which they deployed their running backs to start the season. It's hard to get into a flow. And, if, and running back is a position that you kind of need to be out there to get a feel for what's going on in the game. And I do think, you know, getting all of these carries for Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk in this game, I think that's going to be beneficial and helpful. Will that mean that they have really productive weeks this week? Not necessarily, because they're going to go against a really good Cincinnati defensive front. But I do think it's going to help set them up in the long run where they can be a little bit more productive, more efficient. Now, Javante Barnes had one really, really good run, ended up averaging, what, 5.2 yards per carry. But you take away the big, I think it was a 17-yard run that he had. And he's still, you know, having a, a fairly efficient day. Uh, ran for 68 yards and a touchdown uh, on 13 attempts. To me, otherwise solid. Uh, he had three runs of 10 yards or more. Um, you know, two runs of 15 yards or more. Uh, he had 3.54 yards after contact. Ran for five first downs. So, I mean, it was a solid day for Javante Barnes, in my opinion. If you give him 20 carries, he probably breaks 100 yards. So I, I think the running game has been okay. It's not been great. It's not been, you know, Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan, and it's probably not even been what we expected coming into the season. But I think it's been okay. If you allow your, honestly, if you allow your passing game to be the focal point of your offense and you set you use the pass to set up the run, I think it could be even more efficient. But if teams come into it, looking to stop the run so that you're forced to pass. Well, by all means, let Dylan Gabriel, who's completing over 80% of his passes, sling the football. There's fewer 
better ways to go win on the road than being able to lean on the run game too. taking care of the football and uh, just eliminating, you know, outside of obviously the football getting punched out or, you know, if you take care of the football running it, it eliminates, you know, tipped football at the line of scrimmage turns into an interception, right? A bad decision over there. I mean, it can simplify some things for you on the road when you start going to Cincinnati and on and on and on. Uh, Oklahoma State doesn't look uh, altogether intimidating, but a, a trip to Kansas, a trip to BYU, these, well, the Red River game, right? If you want to just go ahead and call that a road game too, you'd like to see Oklahoma get the run game squared away just because sometimes it's just nice to be able to turn and hand off and to not have to get you know, altogether, you know, to just be very kind of mundane for, for lack of a better word. And that's okay to be mundane and just lean on the run game. I don't think Oklahoma's at a place right now where they can comfortably do that, John. So uh, obviously that needs to improve and let's hope it happens this week versus Cincinnati. Again, I think there's a number of contributing factors to it. The revolving door, yes, at running back. I think the offensive line, of course, is culpable in this. They've got to elevate there. I think the the types of plays that they're calling in the run game, John, is a part of the problem for Oklahoma, too. So, yeah, they, they've got to get it squared away. Is it horribly rotten? No, it's not. But is it up to the Oklahoma standard? No, it's not that either. It's not, but I think it's going to get better. I'll be really, it's going to be really fascinating to watch this week at left guard in particular. It sounds like Savion Bird's going to be out uh, potentially for some time with a concussion. So maybe we're seeing Caden Green, the true freshman at left guard who played a lot against Tulsa this past Saturday. He's got great size. He's an athletic player. He's going to be able to move some people inside. I think that's going to be really, really intriguing to, uh, to watch how he plays against Cincinnati. This is going to be one of your stars on the offensive line of the future. The future is now for Caden Green, how it impacts this week will be, I think will be one of the keys to the game for the Oklahoma Sooners. But also, you know, I like if, if you, okay, we can call Drake Stoops a wide receiver. He is what he is that, but the way that they're using him again is an extension of the running game. Those quick passes, screens, wide receiver flare outs, all that. It's an extension of the running game. You're throwing it at or behind the line of scrimmage. And you're hoping that your guy's going to go make a play. That's the same thing you're doing when you're turning and handing it off. You're throwing it or you're turning around behind the line of scrimmage, handing it off and hoping that your offensive line and your running back is going to make a play. It's, it's similar, like low risk, potentially high reward style of play. But again, I go back to with the way that Dylan Gabriel is throwing the ball. I'm not necessarily concerned about the running game. However, I want to see them be able to lean on it in the third and fourth quarter when they want to close out a football game. That's when to me, it's the most critical is being able to kill clock and keep the other team's offense from getting on the field to try and play catch up when you do get a lead. How much of this for Oklahoma is we got to figure out left guard. I mean, you mentioned Savion bird. Do you chalk up a lot of it to that? Let me run down these numbers for you real quick too. The, uh, the snaps breakdown, obviously uh, we, we talked about you're now moving forward, at least initially, minus Savion Bird potentially, right? I mean, it looks that way. And so you got Troy Everett had 37 snaps. Caden Green saw 32. Uh, Sexton had 28. So, you know, you you divvied it up a good bit out there. Taylor had 10 snaps. So there's Schaefer had 10 on, uh, on Saturday. So you got a lot of snaps in other places for Oklahoma. But how much or, I mean, is it just a collective thing? Do you toss on left guard and he needs to get strained out for OU. 
it's a it's something they got to get better at and they have to find some consistency there you know against smu you had to play both savion bird and troy everett due to due to performance uh, but this past weekend, it was, okay, Savion Bird goes down. Now you got to start rotating guys in to figure out, okay, what are we going to do at left guard uh, in the future? Again, I, I kind of hope that it's Savion Bird that takes that, or it's not Savion, that, that it's Caden Green that takes over because it shows you he's earned the right and, and the opportunity to, to play significant snaps for this team. But I think you've got a nice, solid option in Troy Everett and Caleb Schaefer, who are both veteran options that you can go to if in – the event Caden Green's not really ready to play full time at the collegiate level just yet. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to prove to be ready to go and he's going to be an impact player. But if they can help, you know, improve the play at offense along the offensive line, along the interior in particular, it'll help elevate the run game. The commission of the Big 12, do we need to check in on uh, his mental? well-being we'll uh, chat about that first uh, your game changer of the week it's brought to you by athletic brewing company much like i don't know how about a nick anderson offensively uh, a little bit of a game changer we were waiting for one of these big wide receivers i'll even throw uh, a little bit of respect on our man Jaden gibson's name he had one of the best catches on saturday i know the production wasn't uh, you know what it obviously was three touchdowns three grabs for anderson but that was a nice sign for gibson as well but uh, athletic brewing just like those two they're game changers and they've completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game they make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good they've got up to 50 over i should say 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beer including IPAs, golden sours, and more. And they're constantly in the lab, inventing, creating new, terrific, non-alcoholic beers. Again, that taste good. So you want to check that out. And as I always say, no hangovers ever, which uh, you you just can't beat that, everybody. So you can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code Locked On to get 15% off your first online order. That's Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. It's uh, a little bit of an Oklahoma, Texas curtain call party right now. Uh, obviously, Kansas State over uh, the course of this weekend, they go up to Columbia, Missouri. They lose to the Tigers. They did us no favors in the uh, potential flip of one williams Winery. though uh, I don't know. Maybe that'll be good on the, uh, the bricks front for Oklahoma, so take your pick there. But uh, with Kansas State's loss, they go uh, tumbling out of the rankings, which means it's just OU and Texas in the rankings. And uh, I don't know that anybody on the in the Oklahoma contingent, in the Texas contingent, in the Oklahoma fan base, in the Texas fan base is altogether concerned about the well-being of one Brett Yormark. But here's your sign, Brett Yormark. Yeah, there's a lot of people having a lot of fun at Brett Yormark's expense today on uh, Twitter in response to OU and Texas being the only ones out. I mean, I've said it before, Brett Yormark's job as the Big 12 commissioner is to promote the future of the league and to promote the teams that are going to be a part of the future of the league. So I totally get where he's coming from. However, when you're out there saying things with your chest and then it turns out that the two teams that are the Blue Blood programs that are leaving your conference are the only teams ranked, 
you're going to have to deal with a little bit of the fan backlash in collegiate football. That's just the way collegiate football goes, right? We're going to jump on every little bit of it. So Brett Yormark going to have to eat a little bit of crow for all that. But Oklahoma moves up in the USA Today, USLBM uh, coaches poll from, uh, I think he, they were 16 before, now they're 14, and uh, in the AP Top 25 from 19 to 16. So, you know, steady rising right now. Still a lot to prove on both sides of the football. You prove it every single week, and you will find yourself where you need to be to potentially be a college football playoff contender at the end of the season. But you're going to have to keep proving it on the field. So if Oklahoma, and I think there's a chance they win both convincingly, John, definitely I think the second one, they're winning convincingly over Iowa State. But I think, uh, you know, again, Cincinnati maybe knocked on the door and said, hey, these uh, we're the real uh, Bearcats and we're not all all that great. That might have uh, shown up this past weekend, a reminder to everyone. They fooled us maybe in, in the blink of an eye versus Pittsburgh, but uh, reminded us very quickly. So there's a chance that Oklahoma goes out, takes care of its business twice leading up to the Texas game. Suter's going to be in the top 10 when uh, we play in the Cotton Bowl. Man, it's going to be so tough because there's a lot of teams in front of them that are still pretty good, and, and you just don't know who's going who's gonna to falter. And if they, if they falter, like I haven't looked at the schedules for everybody in the, in the top 13 or whatever, but there's a chance, but I think that they'd have to go out and be really, really impressive these next two weeks, kind of do like they did in non-conference and just route Cincinnati and Iowa state, which I think it's very possible that they go and completely blow the doors off of Iowa state in Norman and do maybe do the same against Cincinnati. Yes. I thought Cincinnati was going to be one of the better teams in the conference after they beat Pitt. Well, then West Virginia went and beat Pitt. You're like, okay, so maybe they're that Pitt team is just not very good this year. So the Bearcats, who knows? They've got a quarterback that can cause problems with his legs so much that he could end up causing problems with his arm, but also he can throw some turnovers. He's been turnover prone his collegiate career. We'll see how that translates this next weekend. Oklahoma showing, hey, we're out. We're going to go out there and attack the football. We're going to create some turnovers ourselves. So I think Cincinnati is going to have an advantage up front along the defensive line, but I think Oklahoma is going to be better than them everywhere else. Cincinnati also now coming in sporting that overtime L. So we'll see. To uh, Miami of Ohio. Yeah. Not 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 a great loss. Yeah. Were there were there any other things that happened over the rest of the weekend like that just really took you by surprise? Or, you know, if you look at you know some of the the losses in the Big 12, I mean Iowa State's definitely up there. Um, the Oklahoma State loss to South Alabama, like that, I mean, absolutely shocking. Really, not just that they lost, but how badly they lost. Just inept offensively, uh, 33 to 7, and got housed at home. I'll give you and I a little bit of a pat on the back here. We've been preparing the masses and not in just some big bedlam ha ha, but we've kind of told you Oklahoma State was not positioned to be very good this season. You, you lost your quarterback that was, say what you want to say about Mr. Sanders, but. That's a solid Big 12 quarterback, solid Power 5 quarterback. He exits, you replace with somebody in Bowman that really has never been able to stay healthy and in the process of that has not shown us that he can consistently play good football. And now these other two options, you know, Rangel and Gundy, neither one look like the answer at Oklahoma State. They lost some skilled talent. They lost other players uh, along the way. 
this is a bad Oklahoma State football team, I think, right now, John. So, yeah, that uh, surprising that it's as lopsided as it was. But then again, it's I'm not surprised that Oklahoma State is one of the worst teams in this league right now. That's what I expected going in. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what Mike Gundy does to write this ship because I don't think there's going to be an answer this year. There's no in-season transfer portal. There's no you know trade market that he can go get a quarterback in, and I think that's going to be a problem for them all season long. Can they fix it in the offseason to get them back into contendership? What if Dana Holgerson gets fired up from Houston? Is that a, a reunion that uh, Mike Gundy and, and Holgi would like to, to get back together? and figure out Oklahoma state's offense because when Oklahoma state's been at its best, it's had a great offense. You, you know, you can go back to the Brandon Whedon days where they were really, really good. They were contending for the big 12 regularly, or at least putting themselves in a position in November to contend. It's when they had that elite offense. They just haven't had that. And here's a question I want to pose and we can tease it for our next show, Josh. And I think it's going to be a really interesting one. Now that we've got three weeks of football, to look back on how do we feel about Oklahoma's schedule the rest of the way? Cause I think we had one thought of it preseason. Now that we've got a little bit of information for us. I think it'll be good to go through that again and just see, okay, now that we're getting ready for big 12 play, what's the rest of the schedule look like. And so we'll do that on the next episode of locked on Sooners, as well as touch on everything that comes out of the offensive and defensive coordinator coaching um, press conferences on Monday and get you ready for Cincinnati this week. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref. Myself is at John nine Williams. The show is at locked on sooner. Subscribe to the show, wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. We'll be here Monday night, 9 PM central time. Stay tuned. Check us out. Make us your first listen every single day, but until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. Boomer sooner.